This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy and climate challenge in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. It feels like there's a general consensus around the electric vehicle market that in order to boost adoption, we need to focus on building more charging infrastructure, on getting costs down, on increasing the range of EV batteries. And while EV sales have really surged here in the U.S., it's these obstacles that the industry tends to point to as to why EVs are still only at around 7% of the total market. But, well, these are the same issues that Europe faces too. Higher upfront costs, a need for more charging. Why is it that Europe now sees somewhere on the order of 20% market adoption, while the U.S. continues to lag behind? What can we learn from our friends across the pond? Eight minutes. It's how long it takes the sun's race to hit Earth, or about how long it took my kids this winter break until they told me that they were bored. It's going to be a long vacation. <laughs> Let's get it on. 2023 looks to have been a banner year for EV sales globally. Total number of cars sold looks to have exceeded 14.1 million units, which is up from 10.5 million cars sold in 2022 and 6.5 million in 2021. Here in the U.S., 8.6% of every car sold in December was an electric vehicle. But the U.S. is still a laggard on the global stage in EV adoption. The largest EV market is China, followed closely by Europe. The World Economic Forum reports that European EV sales surged by 62% last year, while diesel sales actually dipped by 9%. Germany now boasts 20% of all new cars being sold as being electric, while the Norwegian Road Federation indicates that 82.4% of all new cars sold in Norway were electric. That's astounding. Absolutely amazing numbers. So, what's going so right over there that we're seeing overall European market share in the 20% range? But here in the U.S., we're around 7 or 8%. What lessons can we glean from them? Because a lot of the conversation around EV adoption tends to be too high level. Yes, there's a need for more charging infrastructure, for a more nimble supply chain, for lower upfront costs to the vehicles themselves. But Europe has those exact same issues. That World Economic Forum report that I cited earlier indicates that the two biggest challenges that Europe is facing are charging infrastructure and costs. But despite that, Europe still outpaces the U.S. in adoption. Something is different over there. And while building more chargers is absolutely necessary, maybe we're being a bit myopic, thinking that it's the only solution to really consider. So here are four areas, at least, where our European counterparts are doing things a bit different and where we can learn a thing or two. First, let's stick with charging, but Instead of focusing on the number of chargers, let's talk about the charging connectors, the ports and plugs used to connect to public charging networks. Here in the U.S., we basically have had a competing hodgepodge of connecting ports for EVs. Tesla had their own proprietary connector. European car companies used a different standard. It's confusing and awkward and not very helpful. I mean, when you go to a gas station to refuel, every gas nozzle is exactly the same. It's not like you have to use an adapter or forbid drive to a different station that is set up to handle your particular car. In Europe, the continent is basically standardized on the CCS connector for EV charging. And that makes it a lot easier for consumers to feel comfortable that they will be able to charge up anywhere and everywhere. Fortunately, original equipment manufacturers, OEMs, here in the U.S., have identified this as a big problem and are starting to coalesce around our own standard, which happens to be Tesla's North American Charging Standard, or NACS. 
Ford, GM, Tesla, obviously, will all now be building cars that use the same plug anywhere. Then the second thing OEMs need to work on, where Europe has gotten a head start on, is in dealer buy-in. See, for as much as OEMs have been advocating the transition to EVs, the dealerships that they rely upon to sell those cars have been less enthusiastic. And those dealerships need to invest in putting EVs on their lots and available for customers. Or else buyers are going to go with the easier route of just buying another internal combustion engine car. Why aren't dealers invested? Well, it's a combination of things. For one, profit margins are lower on EVs, so that certainly doesn't help. But it's also other things like how an EV requires a lot less service and maintenance than a regular ICE car. And dealerships make a lot of their money from service. But mostly, many dealers just don't trust that the growth in EV demand is real and is going to stick around. And this is kind of tied up in two things. For one, where the European market has gotten it right is in strict, definitive legislation that mandates the switch over to electric vehicles for cities and countries. That consistent message from the government sends a clear signal, whereas our federal waffling, depending upon which party is in power, is confusing. But secondly, dealerships are reading the same press that we do, and a lot of recent noise has been made about the lack of EV demand and how OEMs had set too high of an expectation for the transition to EVs. The reality is that demand is still there. EY's Mobility Consumer Index indicates that 52% of Americans want an EV as their next car. But this myth of declining demand continues. And part of the reason? Because dealer lots don't have a lot of EVs. Why not? Because they think demand is falling. See the circular logic? Clear signals for demand are needed. And state governments are at least stepping in to ensure that that happens. Both California and New York now have mandates that no new ICE cars will be sold in these states past 2035. A clear signal indeed. Okay, quickly on to my third point, which is that electric rate structures. Similar to my point on connector points, we have a hodgepodge of electric rates across the U.S. when it comes to charging our electric vehicle. Time of use rates, peak off-peak rates, general standardized rates, EV-specific rates, and getting the new car buyer onto the right rate and updating them when new options emerge, that's really tough. It truly needs to happen at the point of sale for the new EV, but that doesn't always happen. And so a lot of the value and cost benefit of switching from gas to electricity may not always arrive. In Europe, while the continent hasn't standardized on a rate, they have broadly all adopted tariffs that help consumers charge during off-peak hours and ensure that they're achieving their cost value for the car. And then the fourth difference between Europe and U.S., is in addition to charging connector standardization, dealer buy-in, and rate structures, is how U.S. drivers use their cars versus their European counterparts. Here in the U.S., the culture is dominated by SUVs and pickup trucks, and frankly, there just aren't enough of those models as an EV option yet. That's changing, and the huge demand for the Ford F-150 Lightning is a great example of how much the American market wants these models. As battery packs become lighter, these larger electric vehicles will become far closer to their ICE comparable models. So maybe it's a matter of time, but the differing lifestyles between Europe and the US is a major, if not the major factor, as to why we're experiencing a slower uptake in America. 
The good news is that EV sales continue to accelerate on both continents. We're learning a lot from the head start offered by Europe and, well, yes, charging infrastructure, battery range, and costs are a big part of the equation. But so too are dealer buy-in, standardization, and rate structuring. Getting all of this right is necessary for further growth. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes.